do sit down. We're just about to have some tea. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not panic, but scream. Scream for your lives. Weirdos, the kettle's boiled. Welcome to Tea for Terror, where we take a favourite horror film and dissect it over a nice cup of tea. I'm your host, Andrew Graves, and my guest today is looking for someone, but it's not Kiss. Welcome, Tom from Shout It Out Loudcast. How you doing, fella? Hello, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. What a fantastic intro. You're right. We are looking for someone, but it's not Kiss. <laughs> What have you been up to? Because it seems like, I mean, we'll, we'll get into a uh, shout out loud cast in a second, but it seems like you're, you're, you're constantly forever making podcasts. Uh, it's very impressive. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So uh, my co-host and best friend of 30 years, uh, we started shout out Loudcast about four years ago. So we're primarily an all kiss podcast. Uh, but we have branched off into some other sidecasts, we like to call them. We do one where we, uh, once a month, we review an album, not by Kiss, by a band. And we do that with another one of our friends. And then uh, probably within the last year, uh, my co-host and I started another sidecast where we pretty much talk about anything. You know, pop culture, movies, music, TV shows, uh, just because we have a lot to say. And sometimes the Shout It Out Loudcast proper, you know, obviously pigeonholes us into just Kiss. And we have a lot of things to say about a lot of things. And, you know, we've done an episode on some horror movies and et cetera. So we're we're busy and we're having a lot of fun. So do you want to say for, because obviously I primarily know you through Shout Out Loudcast. Uh, and, uh, yeah. I, you know, that, I, I started listening to that uh, a while ago now. And, um, yeah, I, I, and it's yeah, I, I, and uh, it, it's endlessly fascinating to me. And I, and I think what you do with it is it, you don't just do the normal sort of kiss kind of fanzine type stuff you do kind of all obviously you're not afraid of covering the bigger topics but you really really mm. do a deep dive on a lot of stuff to do with kiss and and it's funny mm. as well so do you want to tell for those mm -hmm. that aren't aware those those five people in the world that aren't aware of uh shout out loud <laughs> cast do you want to explain what it is how it started and and how you and zeus go about stuff yeah, sure. So Zeus and I, again, we went to college, so we've known each other for over 30 years. We've been Kiss fans since I was been a Kiss fan since I was five years old. We'll get into that when we talk about the movie. Uh, Zeus is pretty much the same. And, you know, the fact that we've been friends for so long and share a common bond of our love for Kiss and our common bond for silly, crazy humor, as you know from listening to us, we just decided, you know, we love Kiss and we love being silly and making silly jokes and pop culture references let's let's just combine all this let's have fun so there are times where we are serious about kiss you know we'll have a guest on or we'll we'll break down an album or we'll review it you know and then there are other times when we'll sit down and we just did an episode recently where we talked about uh the girlfriends and wives of kiss members and rated them everything we do comes from an angle of love for the band but also humor we're not afraid to poke fun at the band because believe me Kiss has tons of things you can poke fun at. Primarily, the topic of your show this evening is one of them. Um, and, you know, we like to pride ourselves on the fact that everything comes from a love for the band, but with humor. You know, we like we always we said this in our very first episode four years ago. We do not give the band any kind of foot rubs. We're not afraid to criticize them. We've had band members on the show. We've had, you know, members of the band. We've had Bruce Kulick on the show. We've had a lot of big journalists on the show. People like Eddie Trunk and. Uh, things like that. You know, we've had some uh, entertainers, you know, Chris Jericho, Charlie Bonatti from Anthrax. And, you know, we talk about the band. We love the band, but we're also not afraid to kind of poke holes in some of the things that, that we think are kind of silly about them. Yeah. I, I mean, what I, I really rate about it is that it, I, I'm not a, a kind of sport. I know you, you and Zeus are well into your sports and stuff. I'm, I'm, you know, British and I'm not really into sport. I was kind of the nerdy kid that wasn't into sports and all that. You know, I was, I was into my horror movies and stuff, but I, okay, but yeah. I, I think I get, you know, whereas you get your nerdy, you know, your obsessive sports fans. I am like that with mm -hmm. kind of horror movies and, and, and rock bands and Kiss and things like that. What I like about Me it too. is the fact that you take 
you know what some of my favorite episodes of shouted out loudcast is where you took the the concept of the the alive albums and you carried it forth so what would be what would be yes. a, the real alive three or the real alive four and and you get really really nerdy about it and i love it those are my favorite yeah. episodes i just love how you sort of break that you know Thank if you. they'd have done you know if they'd have done an elder sort of alive what would that have been it's it's brilliant and you know the elders an endlessly fascinating topic as well sure no thank you and that's exactly what we do we try to get really creative again we stick to the there are some, you know, quote unquote, basic episodes where we're, you know, reviewing some of the DVDs or the videos or concerts, but we try to get creative and say, you know, what would, what would have been if they continued making live albums after every third or fourth album, you know, what would the real alive three look like if they took dynasty and unmasked and the solo, like, and, and, and that's like you said, that's where we nerd out and just really love the band. And that's why when people say, oh, do you guys even like kiss? Yes, we do. Go back and listen to our episodes. We don't we wouldn't spend we wouldn't be 230 something episodes into Shout Out Loudcast if we didn't absolutely love this band. Where where did it start for you with Kiss then? Okay. So, it started with I was 5 years old. I was this was chronically 1978, okay? I had an older sister and then I had older cousins that were older than her and they this was this was late 70s in the age where everybody had a stack of records which is ironic because now i have a stack of records because vinyl is back and at that young age uh, i remember going into my cousin's bedrooms and flipping through the vinyl and looking at the amazing artwork you know seeing things like the cover of you know boston and pink floyd queen molly hatchet like all these really cool album covers and i remember flipping and i saw love gun and five years old i said what's this and my cousin goes oh that's kiss that's I'm, i said what what's kiss he's like do you want it you can take it and i said oh i'll take it and to this day i still have that 1977 love gun album framed i have that at home it's the the, the same one that got me into them i still have so at that time that's when kiss lucky for me was at their peak yeah, yeah. you know they had put they had, they were on top of the world they had released love gun alive 2 solo albums double platinum kiss meets the phantom of the park which we'll talk about and the merchandising i just became obsessed with it especially gene simmons and as i got older my love for kiss started to merge with my love for horror because if you know a lot of, a lot of horror fans like yourself they they you know they like kiss because there's a lot of you know theatricality the costumes the blood with gene and you know what we're going to talk about with this movie here um and it just carried on and now you know I've always I always liked the band. My 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 love for them was always there. It kind of came in ebbs and flows throughout their career. But ever since Zeus and I started the podcast, it's just renewed, especially when we do episodes and talk about older albums or you know, older concert performances. It's just really renewed the passion that we both have for how much we love this band. I mean, we're we're heading we're heading to New York City at the end of December to go to the the final shows at Madison Square Garden. We're gonna be there. We wouldn't miss that for the world. I mean, that we've been a fan our entire life, so we have to see the final show. Um, and it's just it's been part of my life. Like we've been on a couple of the Kiss cruises, uh, met some of the bands. We went to Las Vegas in May to meet Gene Simmons, and you know, there was a weekend event there. So, yeah, it's it's been a whole life. Yeah. I I think um, it, it's, it's, I mean we'll get in, into this later on, but obviously, be, me being a Brit, it, it, it's kind of Kiss is very different over here the way that people kind of uh, uh came to it was sure. very different but but for me sure it was i was lucky enough to have an older brother that was into a lot of stuff and and for me the, my sort of inroad into kiss was it was the alive 2 album and particularly mm -hmm. just looking at that mm -hmm. cover you know it's exactly. just it's, the, it's still the yeah, best that, that you know there's nothing more brilliant to a kid as that that photograph of Gene Simmons on the front of uh, Alive Two, it's just what what you know, and it was like you know my the things that I loved growing up now and and still do really comic books, rock and roll, horror. That's Kiss. That's mm -hmm. Kiss. That's exactly, Kiss. exactly, exactly. And then and then with Alive Two, then you open up that gatefold, yeah. 
and you have that that picture with all the flames. It's I mean, if you're if you're a young kid, how, how could that just not just capture you? I, you know, because I, I I've said this before. I've written quite a few articles and stuff, and I've just, I've just recently just contributed. There's a book coming out next year, which I've just contributed to, which is about. Um, kiss and their various appearances on tv and the media and film so i, I did a um a chapter in that book on uh the tom snyder interview you know so uh, uh you oh know, god all oh that boy kind of stuff but <laughs> it, it, yep. for me I, I i always say you know i you it'd be kind of wrong to say that kiss are the best band in the world in in, in, in subjectively they are lots of people's favorite band and and I and, and sure. I, I I I don't I don't understand the hate for them because I think I think you can it's perfectly you know it's perfectly possible to really appreciate Kiss and what they do in terms of live stuff and mm -hmm. and performance without necessarily liking the individual members of the band you know I I I can't sure. actually say that I particularly you know have a great love for the individual <laughs> every time they open their mouths off stage they say something stupid you know uh Usually, yeah yes. but, I, but I, I just there's something about and for me it, it, it's the classic era kiss you know I, the other areas mm -hmm. of their career really fascinates me as well the 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 mm -hmm. era between sort of 79 and 81 is, is fascinating i think but yeah that mm -hmm. love gun era the era that we're oh. kind of looking at today with the film it's exactly just, it, it, it's it's just unbelievable you know and they obviously they recreated yeah. that i went to go and see them on the 96 uh reunion tour and it was just like being oh yeah and you know it's just we, we, incredible incredible you know yeah we, we we were there for a couple of those shows too and you're right when you talk about kiss and you talk you know some people like like chuckle or they giggle and I always, I, you know, Zeus and I always make this joke, you know, if you don't like Kiss at in any way, then you, you just don't like fun <laughs> because Kiss is the most fun band out there. They write hooky pop rock melodic songs that you can sing along to, that you can pump your fist to. And in the middle of that, they're visually stimulating you with blood and fire and pyro and, you know, levitating drum risers. And I mean, how can you not? like that i mean you know I, I okay maybe they're not led zeppelin maybe they're not you know the who or the stones they don't want to be those bands they want to be kiss if you want to listen to those bands which are all wonderful you can go and listen to them it's the same i always say it's the same thing you know sometimes i want a greasy cheeseburger sometimes i want a nice t-bone steak you know, to me kiss is like that greasy cheeseburger every once in a while it's just fun as, as paul once said you listen to Emerson Lake and Palmer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Perfectly said. Not me. Yes. Um, yep. Okay, Tom. So, what? Um, what was your? Um, what's your intro into horror movies? Then, when did you start becoming aware or into horror? Okay, it's funny because it's not that far off from when I came into Kiss, but I remember this. Oof, I remember this vividly. So, and it still scares the heck out of me to this day. It was 1979. I was six years old. Again, I had a sister that was four years older than me. And it was the TV miniseries of Salem's Lot, the Stephen King adaptation. And my God, like to this day, it's, I still love that. I, and the scene that scared the living hell out of me. And I still get nightmares about it is the, the famous scene of the little kid floating in front of the window with the fog and that music and the scraping at the glass. Oh, just incredible, incredible stuff. And then it was perfect timing because then around 79, 80, 81 is when in America, we started getting access to cable TV and things like HBO and, and those, those channels that showed movies all the time. And then also right around that time in, in the U S you started seeing the advent of the VCR and video stores opening up. So at that time it was constant access to everything. And I, I and other than Salem's lot, the other thing that scared the absolute living hell out of me. And to this day, it's my favorite horror movie of all time. And one of my favorite movies of all time is the original John Carpenter, 1978 Halloween. Mm -hmm that that michael myers mask 
at that young age. I think I think the very first time I taught, I, the very first time I saw it, I believe it was when NBC was showing it for the first time. So it was a few years, obviously, after the theatrical release. And, you know, slightly edited. And the TV version, is, as we all know, has some additional footage, which I think is really cool. Um, and at that time, you know, there's really no, you know, parental guidance with the TV. You know, if, if a movie is on, everybody's watching it or, you know, it's on in the background or whatever. And seeing Michael Myers just, just terrified me. And, but I loved it. And, you know, I continued seeking out, you know, the Friday the 13th movies and, you know, then getting a little bit older and being able to go to the video stores with my friends. And of course the, the, the artwork on those VHS boxes is what drew you in. And the best places to go were those independent mom and pop video stores. Those are the places that had the real crazy movies, you know, because the chain stores like Blockbuster or whatever, they didn't carry any of that. Um, so between cable TV and those videos, I remember my friends and I, we would go and see what the, what the gnarliest movie we could be. I mean, look at this one. Let, guys, have you seen Microwave Massacre? Look at the cover <laughs> of this box. You know, have, have you seen Pieces? Look at this. This looks crazy. And then we would rent them and we'd be like, oh, my God. And that, nowadays you watch it. I think Pieces to me is I still love that movie. I find it so endearing and so silly. Um, but. Yeah, it's been part of my it's been a part of my life probably since being a Kiss fan. And to this day, I I'm enamored with horror. I think right now we're in, we're in a great spot for horror with streaming services, um, with even theatrical releases in the United States. I think it's a fantastic in podcasts such as yourself. I think it's a great time to be a horror fan. Yeah, it's on those um, you know the video shops. I mean, we we had the same same in this country, and you know, obviously, we had the kind of big yeah. video nasty scare in this country as well, and that we had literally, you know, we had mm -hmm. our government at the time literally introducing legislation to try and protect people from these films, which is fucking nonsense, you know. <laughs> but it, it, but it, yep. you're right; those covers, you know, you walked into some of those gnarly sort of video shops, and you'd be bombed bombarded with these covers um my mm -hmm. second guest uh, in episode two on t for terror was a guy called graham humphreys and he does i don't know if you know graham humphreys but he does a lot of the covers for sort of people like arrow arrow sort of uh, releases and things like that and, oh yeah that. And he oh, yeah, does that. and he, he did and he's been doing it a while and he did the original campaign for evil dead and he's done stuff for return of living dead he, mm. he, he does all that kind of artwork uh, and yeah and thank god for guys like him because walking into those shops when you're a teenager because yeah. you, you there's no internet there's no google you couldn't find you know you just had right. to go with the covers and that was it and and mm -hmm. it was like walking into a uh, as someone else has said before it's like walking into a thousand cinemas you know yeah it was and, you, and you're right and I, I i love that you you know with with the advent of those of the the you know like arrow video scream factory you know all the like vinegar yeah, syndrome yeah. like all those like re-releasing these movies and giving them incredible original artwork with incredible special features and bringing these movies back to life that you thought you may never see again. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I have a huge collection of yeah, screen yeah, yeah, factory yeah. and arrow video re-releases. Re they, they, they just, they're incredible. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough um, in that I do quite a lot of writing for Blu-ray releases and things like that. So I get a lot of freebies yep. as well, but it's just an absolute joy to, to write about some of these films, you mm -hmm. know, these, these, these fantastic, yeah boutique sort of re-releases that they're that they're coming out now it, it is a kind of little little bit of a golden age i think in terms of physical media i agree it's written it's something to look forward to every time you see when uh when arrow's re-releasing something or scream factory and what, what's also kind of interesting too for, for me coming from a you know being a music fan and being a vinyl collector is that now you have these boutique vinyl companies releasing yeah, yeah, yeah. soundtracks you know, you have Sacred Bones and you have Waxworks and they're, and they're releasing these, you know, the, the Friday the 13th movies or you're seeing, you know, like these classic like horror soundtracks with amazing original artwork. Um, it, it really is a good time to be a horror fan for sure. Absolutely. So yeah. uh, I think it's probably time to introduce the film we're going to be looking at. Of course, this is what we're going to be looking at today. We are going to be examining Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, directed by Gordon Hessler, and of course, starring Kiss. 
No gratitude need be voiced. Your mind speaks to us. You're looking for someone, but it's not Kiss. Yes. My fiance Sam, he was taking pictures of you. There are dozens of photographers out there. How could anyone ever? He was here. This is ridiculous. Now, Tom, when was the first time you came across this fucking bin fire of a production? Wait, are you saying this is not a good movie? <laughs> this is the definition of a trashy cult classic, if you want to even call it, it that. Is, it is, absolutely, yeah. I, I watched it again today, so, you know, so. Oh, God, it's... So before I get into my history of this movie, so Zeus and I did last Halloween, we, we did an episode of a, did, we did a live yeah, great. commentary of, oh, it was, it was, it was hysterical. But so for me, my memories are very, very vivid of this. It came out. It's amazing what you remember when you're young, when something strikes you, you know, in a certain way, uh, came out in, uh, September 19 or October, 1978, or, you know, fall of 1978, just in time for Halloween season. And the funny thing is, is that I was in love with kiss and, you know, at the time I'm, I'm young and again, there's no internet. So I don't even know about this movie, but my parents knowing that I'm a huge kiss fan and they get used to subscribe to the class, you know, the old TV guide magazine and there's a kiss movie coming on. We have to show, we have to let Tommy know about this. So I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. And I'll never forget. It was perfect. Now I had never seen kiss other than still photographs, posters, album covers. I had never seen them moving live. Okay. So the way that my house is set up is at the bottom of the stairs you kind of go down the stairs. You kind of see it sometimes in movies where, you know, you come down the bottom of the stairs and you kind of peek behind the railings and you can see the TV in the living room. That's how my house was set up. And I remember my parents saying, Oh, the, the kiss movie is on. And I came downstairs and I was so excited. And the movie starts with the credits of the band playing and they're superimposed over the roller coaster and they're playing rock, rock and roll all night. And I was terrified the minute I saw Gene Simmons. The minute I saw him flicking his tongue and going, I, I was terrified. And I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know if I remember watching the rest of the movie. I was so damn scared seeing them for the first time in real life. <laughs> well, you probably can't remember watching the, whether you watched the rest of the movie because you probably fell asleep in the first half an hour. <laughs> they, well, that's they true because for disappear. the first 30 minutes, kid. <laughs> Yeah, that's that that that's the that's the funniest thing. For the first 30, 40 minutes, Kiss isn't even in the How movie. Could you imagine anyone else? You know, if you, you imagine Bruce Willis, and it's like, yeah, yeah, you got his new, new movie, Bruce. Yeah, you're the star, but you're not actually in it for ne for the first forty minutes. It's like what? It's incredible, and you know what? And it's funny when you're young, you you don't the memories that you have for me at least. And I'm sure you're the same, and I know for Zeus it was the same. The memory of this movie is so different than the actual movie because when you sit down and watch it it's actually really <laughs> terrible i mean let's be serious let's be serious but but you can't help but be entertained by the incredible cheesiness of it the 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 the, the snapshot of that era of the way people dressed and behaved and you know who doesn't love an amusement park but my goodness Wow, it's 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 tough to get through those first thirty minutes. The the thing that it, it fascinates me, and and it still fascinates me now, even though everything you said then yeah. is absolutely true, I would agree with that completely. Yeah, it's. I mean, hearing you say, obviously, it was very different. Kiss was a different, you know. We were not really aware of Kiss in this country in the 70s in the same way that America was. You know, obviously we were, but not, it wasn't a huge right. thing, you know. So, right, right. Obviously, I got into Kiss, you know, when I was about 10, 11, 12, whatever. So it was a thing then for me, but it wasn't a thing for everybody yep. else. So the idea of someone actually seeing phantom of the park as it went out live on television for us in this country because we 
I don't think they released Phantom of the Park on VHS till about 87, 88, something like that. And that was the first. And, it did take and I a remember while. my mate buying it. Uh, I was unemployed at the mm. time, so I couldn't afford it. But my mate bought it. It was about, it was about 25 quid at the time for, a v, for then. And that was a lot of money for a VHS then. So he bought it. And we were like, because we were like obsessed with kiss and like we you know it's like god we've got it we've got it and we put it on and it's just yep. the, the disappointment <laughs> slowly seeping in it, it is it, that is i have such a similar story so in high school one of my best friends from high school i remember going to um a record store like a local record store um and at the time they sold uh, uh, video, you know, music, music, video, concert videos, you know, anything, you know, things like that. And I said, Oh my God, they have kiss meets the Phantom of the park on VHS. I'm, we, I'm like, I have to get this. We have to get this. I haven't seen this movie since I was a little kid. And it was the exact same experience. We got home. We were so excited. We put it in. And after about 15 minutes, we're like, what the hell's go- is kiss in this? What is what? I don't remember this. What is going on? It, it, it's it, the, the, your memory and 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 you know i will forgive me for segueing for a minute here but i have that same problem with a lot of these classic horror movies the memory of the movie sometimes supersedes the actual movie like i'll go back and and watch a movie that i that i thought i loved when i was 12 or 13 and i'll watch it now and i'll be like oof that's just not good and then it kind of ruins the memory you know what i mean yeah i, I mean what cannot be forgotten though that the, the is is worth remembering about whatever we say about this and whatever however we're gonna take the piss out of it what is worth remembering about kiss meets the phantom of the park and it's hard to understand now in the internet age where you can literally access anything anytime straight away right it's the fact that as you and zeus have pointed out a number of times and it's something that's frustrated the hell of me when hell out of me when i was growing up kiss were the most visual band on the fucking planet and yet for a long yep. time there was there was nothing you couldn't access anything you know and particularly you couldn't access you might have got like really fairly dodgy video footage or fan footage from sort of uh, uh concerts from the 70s but you couldn't you certainly couldn't get stuff kiss on film live so actually what makes phantom of the park invaluable particularly at that time well those live clips you know as as kind of roughly edited as they are and you know it's a bit of a nonsense because the first time they we see them live on on the thing it's kind of they start with black diamond and it's all over the place you know but it it was like wow this is for the first time we're seeing this brilliant footage this great crystal clear sort of you know uh, filmed on actual film footage of the band and that's why certain parts of this film are are invaluable you know and still stand up but (laughs) but uh, no you're right i agree The, the live footage is fantastic you know because it's the love gun alive two costumes and the music and 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 because it's a a film you know, you're getting close-ups of Gene's face. You're seeing, you're getting close-up of, of Ace's guitar. You're seeing like things that you've never, ever seen before. And I will say this from an entertainment perspective now as an adult, I don't know how, how you know, people, I find it hilarious to hear the band talk <laughs> when they're sitting by the pool with those capes and, and Ace is doing his little one-liners and, and these little jokes. And, you know, when Gene is stomping through the park and, you know, busting through walls. I find that it just endearing and, and fun. But but that being said, it's it. I don't know if that was the intent. I think they tried to make this into a real movie at one point. Yeah, I, I, that, I think that that's a big part of this. It, it, it again, you know, as you know, um, Kiss, particularly Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons, they are they are notorious for reinventing the band's history all the time, oh, you know, and, oh, and it's, absolutely. it's absolutely. It's like, yeah. And, and the thing with the, this film is that I would say, I mean, we'll get more into the individuals, but I think it's very, very clear that Paul, Paul are taking this absolutely seriously. They may look back oh God, yes. and mock it, but they are in this film. 
And Gene is absolutely, he is deadly serious with this. And Paul is slightly, you know, maybe slightly less. Ace and Peter don't give a fuck, you know. <laughs> but but nope, Ace do doesn't give a fuck in a way that he still kind of enjoyed himself, you know. He, he, you can tell he, he doesn't give a fuck, but he's not, he just, he's Ace, you know. Peter doesn't give a yeah. fuck. And you can tell he's kind of pissed off being there. And he didn't even turn up for the ADR, did he? Someone else is doing Peter's voice. Right. Um, so yeah, there is all this this stuff going on. It, it's but um, what about? Uh, I mean, how? Because I I would say my I think that this was. I mean, there are other factors, but I would say that this was the beginning of the end for classic kiss totally totally and 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 it's been reported that by the end of the filming of this the band couldn't stand each other you know like you said pete peter hated being here ace was really really heavy into the drinking and he couldn't give a shit about being part of it he and he had fun because he didn't care uh and and peter hated it paul and gene they would they thought this was going to be a very very big deal for them a very serious thing um you know, that combined with just the general malaise that came over the band, especially during the the making of, you know, the wheels, a lot of people don't know, the wheels started to come off even as early as Destroyer, yeah. you know, when, when Ace wasn't showing up for a lot of guitar things and they started getting some, you know, some ghost players and, and stuff and they made it through Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun and Alive 2 and all those, but the, the wheels were starting to really come off. And I think the disgrace of this movie the way it was met through fans and critics combined with the substance abuse of of ace and peter and their general anger about dealing with with gene and paul you know they they, and then they try to spin that the band's disagreement led to the solo albums when in reality the solo albums were reportedly part of a contract that were going to happen regardless you know that's a story that really has been revisionist history. Is that oh the band wasn't getting along? Let's do solo albums. They, they were going to do them anyways. Um, and, and you're right. That was absolutely the end of Classic Kiss. You know, I th- I think I think Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park kind of puts puts the rubber stamp on that. And I th- I, you know, as as much as we can say, and I, I, by that I don't mean to say you know it's all about the movie. That's why C- Classic Kiss kind of ended for that time. I do. It, it was just the timing. It was. It was the time. Yeah, it yeah. was kind of like the straw on the camel's back, you know. And because I, I think Ex- you, you could you could view it from sort of seventy six onwards, like you say. Oh, gee, I mean, Christ, they must have been knackered, absolutely knackered. They they, they do just. You, if you think about the kind of, I, I'm not knocking modern musicians or anything now, but if you think you know that you might do an album a year, maybe an album a couple of years, they're, you know, Kiss, you know, they're putting two or three albums out a year. You just constantly touring. That is, it's not an excuse for making a terrible film, but why they, they must have been burned out, you know. And if well, 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 think about it. In six, excuse me, in four years, four years. They made six studio albums, two live albums, a compilation, and four yeah. solo albums, and and a movie. In four years, they did all yeah. that. That most bands don't do that in an entire career. And touring, touring they did that in between, for, and appear on TV. And, and, correct. So from seventy four to seventy eight, they did all that. So it's. It, it, I mean, it's a miracle they even made it that far. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 it, it was incredible. Now, I know people say that was the end of Classic Kiss. For me, I absolutely adore Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. that uh, came out in nineteen seventy nine. Absolutely love that album. And I know people kind of cut off Classic Kiss right around seventy eight. Peter's on the cover of Dynasty. He doesn't. He doesn't. He plays on it a little bit. Ace plays on it a lot. You know, he's got a couple songs. Um, but yeah, that that was. I think Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. Like you said, it might not have been the movie itself that led that led to it but it was probably the straw that broke the camel's back that kind of was ruining it with all those things that were adding up between the substance abuse and just the general band disagreement and like you said the exhaustion of being together non-stop for four years yeah and i think that i I, yeah i mean i I, i'm in i'm in agreement i mean yeah i think it kind of was the beginning end for classic kiss but yeah i would you know in classic kiss you know up until sort of 
78 or whatever but you know like you say i've still got a massive fondness for them you know i love dynasty and i i, I oh yeah i know it's not you know a lot a lot of people don't like it but i i like unmasked you know i think unmasked is a good i love good it album. My, my, my co-host hates it <laughs> and i love it that that that's what that's one of the biggest disagreements between the two of us is that i love it and he hates it yeah I, those ace tracks on on unmasked just in oh how, how 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 can you how can you not love torpedo yeah, girl yeah. i mean come on <laughs> <laughs> talk to me talk to me is genuinely one of my exactly. favorite kiss songs it's great i love it yes it's fun like i said it's fun you have to like it I, yep. and uh, coincidentally yep. there's a, a new horror film just come out called talk to me i was a bit disappointed yes that oh. they didn't have ace on the soundtrack because it's an australian film as well so you know uh, exactly but now i haven't now i haven't got i have not gotten around to see talk to me yet so i've heard wonderful things but i haven't gotten around to it yet it's good so. i'm not going to spoil it it's really good it's yeah. got a very very good, good 80s vibe but is is a very modern film as well it's great it's re i recommend it and it's it's per kind of perfect. done in 90 minutes as well it's no kind of stretching it out it's good it's yeah it's just straight in perfect. straight out it's great okay uh tom so let's talk <laughs> hesitate to say this but... i like I, 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 I like how you can't even get the question out without laughing <laughs> let's talk about the plot because obviously this is a, a hannah barbara production um but the plot kind of makes um sort of old uh, episodes of huckleberry hound seem more credible um it doesn't really uh it, it don't really make a great deal of sense it's a bit like a shit westworld isn't it it's actually it, it, so it's hannah barbera so if, if you're familiar with the classic episodes of like scooby-doo where are you yeah which are which are it, it, it's it's like that but it's it's just live action and, and much more poorly executed i i mean what's what what struck me today because i was watching the version i was watching today was the version that's on kissology so it's attack of the phantoms which is the attack european of, of attack cut, of the phantoms and they were Correct. really pushing the solo albums so where are right for those that don't know the original kiss meets the phantom the american court has classic sort of Hanna-Barbera sort of cartoon type music over the fight sequences. Whereas in Attack of the Phantoms, the European version, they take away most of that sort of incidental cartoon music and replace it with tracks from the solo albums. Now, what I would say now, even though a lot of people have criticized the use of cartoon music, what I would say is that at least the cartoon music, as bad as it is, was kind of queued up to the action. Whereas what you, I think in Attack of the Phantoms, just supplanting those songs within, it doesn't really work because they're just plonked in. There's only, there's only one, I think the only way, the only time it does work is when we have the gene bot or the gene robot and he's kind of terrorizing the guards in the park and we get that introduction to radioactive that's one of the that works but mostly just dropping those solo album tracks in doesn't really work because they're not really queued up to the action or anything and also the you, you've got a question i mean I, I i have a i have a lot of love for the solo albums but you know the the the, the choices they choose for that for that to drop in they're not the best tracks are they? they're not really that representative of kiss at that you know you know the, the of classic kiss you know yeah it's 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 really odd because the american version kiss meets the fan of the park that hannah barbera cartoony 70s music is just it's so silly i mean it it, it minimizes any attempt that they were trying to make to, to make this movie uh you know exciting or action-packed or thrilling with that with that ridiculous music and, and you're right that on paper attack of the phantoms the european version with the solo album is like of course it's perfect the solo albums just came out let's put them in this in this movie push them give people a taste of the new music but there's no there's no context to the songs like you said it's just okay hit hit 
play on, you know, that's the kind of sugar Papa likes off the Peter album. And it doesn't make any sense with, with, with what's going on a little bit of the radioactive clip, like you said, but, but the rest of it, it it's, it's, it's very, it's just odd. You could just, you can tell how quickly this movie was made and that it was strictly a vehicle to get people to see kiss in action. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, you know, you know, joking aside, it is a very, very cynical venture. And, and it's a it kind of shame, you know, cause you've got kiss and it could have been something else. It wasn't, but also the other thing, which is kind of interesting, you, you got Gordon Hessler, uh, Gordon Hessler, he had some horror chops, you know, he'd worked, he was a German and he'd kind of moved over to Britain and he, he, he directed a, a number of movies in Britain with Vincent Price uh, for mm-hmm. AIP. And I, and so he, he and one of the films he directed for AIP was uh, Scream and Scream Again. Now, Scream mm-hmm. and Scream Again, I don't know if you're aware of it, Tom, but it's... Um, I can say hand on heart scream and scream again is one of the one of the films because I grew up in the 70s I'm a little bit older than you so I grew up Mm -hmm. in the 70s in Britain and parents then were very lax in terms of what they were allowing their children to watch so my parents were certainly great film, mm-hmm. you know uh and i would i would kind of watch horror films and dig them and you know you get that little vicarious thrill but actually hand on heart i can say scream and scream again was was a film that genuinely terrified me kept mm-hmm. me awake at night uh, and, and, and the reason for that is these brilliant scenes in the film where he starts off with this, uh, a jogger and he's jogging through London and, and then he collapses. This is how the film starts. And mm-hmm. then later on, this, this guy wakes up in this hospital, what he assumes to be a hospital, and he's not quite sure why he's there and he's not quite sure, but, but he thinks there's something wrong. And the, the end of the scene, he pulls back the sheets and someone's cut his leg off. And, mm. and this poor guy is kind of trapped in this place. And every time you see him, he's lost another limb or another whatever. And it that mm. freaked me the wow. hell out. I was just, as a kid, I was just wake. I was just sure. expecting to wake up with no arms or legs. It absolutely terrified. I mean, traumatized me, literally traumatized me. I remember just, I, I remember clearly going out the next day to play and not being able to join in because I was so tired because I've not slept and this thing and absolutely killed me. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, in some ways I had high hopes uh, with Gordon Hessler, but um, no, it doesn't really work out. Like the plot doesn't really make that much sense. I mean, you've got the villain is um, Devereaux. Devereaux. Uh, and, yeah, exactly. You, you have to you have to say it like that. <laughs> and 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 it's it's just there, there's a version of this film which I would like in that you know he is this kind of disgruntled uh, professor type who's making these creations for the park and and they've kind of you know this idea that he has been taken for granted and and then they get rid of him and he tries to commit some sort of revenge. I can get that that you know i could dig that that's that's a fairly good standard sort of plot and it would have worked you know this crazy guy um like i said it is a kind of poor you know a, a substandard westworld in a way but it's what doesn't make any sense is this vendetta he has with kiss i don't really see i know and he keeps going on about these creations he's making these brilliant fun you know he's got this work is really important but then you look at the film and you think well what is your work <laughs> you've made an incredibly unrealistic gorilla and a fat peter chris <laughs> what is that it is that the sum total of your your the pinnacle of your work i i it just doesn't really work i don't i i, I it's funny it's entertaining but it's it's just you know just doesn't really they never i don't think they ever really understand what they're doing with it and what they've got no, I think, well, I think, the, I think that one of the first problems is, you know, like you said, Gordon Hessler, he's got, he, he's got some chops, he's got a resume, but I think when you put Hanna-Barbera in charge of the production, I think that's where, that's where anything, anything that Gordon Hessler could have done well, I think that gets taken away from him by Hanna-Barbera kind of being part of this, because the Hanna-Barbera, they're, they're a cartoon corporation, everything mm. they do is, is, is cartoony, 
and and you're right the 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 plot on paper maybe has some potential but Devereaux was responsible for making he he does the chamber of thrills which i guess is supposed to be creepy and scary and has like some animatronics which is kind of kind of cool for the for the the time but that other thing, the the chain gorilla, the the the, the astronaut. I mean, it it's stuff that people you know walk by and, and put their drink on while they're tying their shoes. You know, he's not making rides that you know what I mean. And the amount of money that is going into this, that's why you know. And let's let's bring up poor Carmine Caridi. This is a guy that yeah, was yeah, in the yeah, Godfather yeah. Part Two, exactly. And now he's in this. He's probably wondering what the hell happened to my career. Why am I in this movie? You know, um, <laughs> but the plot, the plot just falls apart with such silliness that you find yourself wondering what am i watching what is happening here also it, the other thing that kind of struck me again today is that yeah okay you've got these kind of silly fight sequences but they're they're few yeah. and far between and it, and in between right. that you either get no kiss or you get yep. kiss just walking around that's it they just walk around the park at night that's the extent of their action mostly or worse you get them sitting by the pool with their cool little silver robes on making little quips to the police you know i mean it's or or playing a five-hour version of beth yeah that's <laughs> right that's yeah, right I, I like that song don't get me wrong but who wants a five-hour version of beth yeah or or seeing the or seeing what happens when uh they mess with the talisman and, and you know when paul forgets how to play the guitar when that when you know when sam is going after the talisman you know that all that kind of business you know uh, on paper again i keep saying this i, I think Look, Bill Coin even said it you know they, they've already done the marvel comic book they're they're superhero larger than life characters I like the idea of giving them a talisman with a, with like a, with a with a superpower, you know, you know, like like a Batman or like a Superman or whatever. I think that that is a cool concept, but you know, as we both said, the execution of all of this just is it it the, there was no there was not enough time and effort and energy put into it. The focus was to get Kiss on screen, which is ironic because, like we already said, they're not on screen for most of the movie. Yeah. I- and also i think we you know we have to factor in the time period i mean sure because it was kind of like i'm I'm not saying nothing on tv at that time was any good because of course it was you you got some classic stuff but it was almost like if you were gonna have something if you're gonna have a, a product and put it out there 78 wasn't wasn't a great year to, to to convey that particularly if it in, involved special effects or or, or, or you know oh because God. Most, many people didn't have the budgets or the technology you know if you look at something like you know i was obsessed at the time around the same year um was with the amazing spider-man the live action tv show mm-hmm. and, yep. and it, it, it's got awful you know but I still have yep. fond memories of it because it was the sure. only thing. It was the only thing. But there was no way you couldn't have done Spider-Man. You couldn't have done Spider-Man effectively then. It was nonsense. It was just, right. just you know, it, 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 and, and, and secretly, I loved it as a kid. You know, I, I made the, the costume and all that, and I wanted to do that. But secretly at the back of your head, you're thinking, yeah, but it's not very good, though, is it? It's just it's not as good as it should be. <laughs> right, and so right, I, feel, right. I, I feel like... You know, whatever the intentions were for this, I think given the period and given that it was a TV movie, they were they they, they were never really going to pull anything cool out of the bag at that that point. You know, I, I, yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I think the fact that it was '78, made for TV, dropped right around Halloween for obvious reasons, Hanna Barbera producing it, Kiss kind of oversaturating themselves across all media formats and markets it it, the, the, it it really had no chance and i think the only chance that it does have is to live on as a cult classic as amongst kiss fans horror fans and pop culture fans i think that's that's kind of how it exists is you know i have fond memories of it you know because of the nostalgia of growing up in that era and actually seeing it on tv or at least seeing the first two minutes of it on tv but you know what i wish 
and Zeus and I have talked about this, you know, this year will be 45 years since its release. I wish that Paul and Gene would acknowledge the Kiss fans, you know, sentimentality and nostalgia for this and, and observe that date with with something, you know, a, a, a Blu-ray with a I mean, how great would it be now to have a, a comment Paul and Gene doing a commentary of that in laughing at it the way that Zeus and I did? It would be fantastic. But they're on record as saying that they 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 wish it never existed and they you know it's a joke and what whatnot but i think that would be such a great thing for kiss fans to acknowledge that 45th anniversary I, yeah I, I oh god yeah if they, if they really to box set the blu-ray box set you know 4k whatever incredible first, it would be incredible first day purchase you know you gotta yeah yeah and, and i think what they should do yeah paul and gene should do a commentary but they should have another commentary track with uh, 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 Ace, Ace, and Pete. Ace and Peter. It would oh. be amazing. It would be, be incredible. It'd be incredible. I agree. Yep. I, I think that, I mean, they've kind of softened a little bit around it, but it's just, just, they just have. acknowledge it, you know, you know, go with it. You know, it's just, yeah, God, it's awful, but it's, it's something you did and you can't pretend you didn't do it. Just go with it. And people would, this would sell out straight away. You can imagine, you know, Kiss Online, this, that, you know, a, a limited edition version of that. It would just go straight away. You know, people talk, people, you've talked about in your show, you know, everybody takes the piss out of the elder. What happens when they re-release it? Gone. Sold out straight. I was, I, I was, I was just going to say that the, the two, the two most beloved and beleaguered things in, in, in history are the elder and Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. And KISS fans absolutely, for the most part, adore them, either legitimately adore them or adore them from a nostalgia point of view. And not so much Gene. Paul is the one that absolutely loves to discredit things that he's done in his career. And I can't stand it. I can't I can't stand it. I wish he had a little bit of a sense of humor and said, hey, you know what? At the time, the L working with Bob and we thought this was going to be a fantastic record it was a real big it was a misstep for us but instead he you know he shits on it he he, he shits on the people that like it he you know and and Zeus and I have talked about this ad nauseum that I, I wish that 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 revisionist history of of dumping on things that are part of your career you know acknowledge it maybe tongue-in-cheek you know you've done enough great things in your career it's okay to have fun with some of your missteps and like I just said Two of their biggest missteps are two of the biggest things that Kiss fans love. And, you know, but you, you, you're right. You hit the nail on the head when they acknowledge the 40th anniversary of the elder, that picture disc gone, the t-shirts gone. The other, the other, the other picture disc, the stuff was gone. It was sold out. And now it's all, now they're all collector's items because that's how much people love that stuff. It, it just feels as though, I mean, to me, out of all the Kiss members, I think Paul, it just, it just seems so guarded and it just feels like oh, so unhealthy and just just let it go this this stuff is documented it's there trying to pretend it's not is is just just crazy you don't it's not like you have to talk about it every time of course as an artist or whatever a musician right. you're going to want to push the new thing of course you do of course yeah, that's definitely. just natural as a musician right. whatever we think as fans the last thing you've recorded is your favorite thing you know exactly. it is that's what it but you you with something you, you they kind of i think paul especially he seems to want his cake and eat it he want he wants to kind of have this shit to sell but he wants to dump on it all the time as well. And it, it's, it's a bit ingenuous, uh, disingenuous. And uh, I wish he'd chill out a bit, you know. You can, can see it in that? Gene. You know, Gene says yeah. stupid stuff sometimes, but you can see he's mellowing and he's... He and can he loves see. to have fun. Yeah. And he, lo he loves to have fun with some of the history. And he doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a problem kind of joking on it or making a goof. But Paul has to be very, uh, you know, very kind of like, you know, a little bit of a wise ass, a little passive aggressive. And he, he doesn't, he wants you to pay attention to what's going on right now, which is fine. I get that. Like you said, but you have a 50 year career and there are some things that you might not like that your fans like acknowledge that, you know, respect the fact that your fans might not like something that you like that because by shitting on these things, 
you're shitting on the fans who like them too. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you can't have it all ways. You've got to, you've got to just go right. with it. You know, right. you know, you know I'm, Pete Townsend won't like everything he's done. He's going to look back at some stuff and think that was a load of horse shit, you know, but of course it, you, you just got to keep going and just acknowledge your fans. And yep. I, I, I don't know. It just, it just feels like there's, there's, there's nothing natural about Paul. Everything is a front, everything, you know, down to his, obviously his, his kind of stage pattern. That's all very, very tired and rehearsed now but it, it's almost like sure. him off stage is the same as well it's kind of you can almost yeah. feel him reading from a script you know and he's just yeah you just you just want to kind of give him a cup of tea and say you know just, just chill out paul yeah. just chill out you know there's there's really nothing that yeah there's really nothing natural about his interactions there's he's like you said he's very guarded he's very protective he's very insecure he doesn't want anybody to pass judgment on anything he says or does. So he puts out this cardboard cutout version of himself. Um, you know, we say it all the time on our show. I think Paul wanted this to be over COVID threw a wrench into their plan. And he probably cannot count down the days enough until December in New York city. And he can move on with his pasta, with his painting. And, and that's, that's his right. That's his privilege, but you're still in kiss respect that and respect the fans and, and, and acknowledge that. And if people want to talk to you about things in your career, you know, don't act like it's a hassle is all we're asking for as fans. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, Tom. So it is a question for you then. So, okay. Yeah. I think we can agree that, uh, <laughs> kiss meets the phantom <laughs> of the park is not a masterpiece, but okay. Here's a question. Okay. You're producing this in 1978. What would you have done? I think the first thing that I would have done is I would have had Kiss be the main focus of the film. I think I would have had a lot more situations of them maybe even rehearsing or maybe even showing them putting on their costumes or some, some kind of involvement with a band is the front and center. That's the reason why people are tuning in. That's why you're making this movie. I think I would have really tried to dumb down the plot of the movie. There's no need to make it that cumbersome. You could have made it as simple as, you know, you, like I said earlier, you could have made it as simple as like a Scooby-Doo, you know, mystery that there was, you know, uh, some, some strange thing going on at the park where the, you know, the machines were operating on them by themselves at night, or there was a, a ghost or something. And, you know, kiss were being called upon to investigate and use their powers. Uh, you know, loud music scares the ghost away. Something, something where the band is the focus because Devereaux is the focus of this movie. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and his character is ridiculous. What he's bitching about is ridiculous. Why he doesn't like kiss is ridiculous. Uh, so I think, I think just, I think make it very, very basic, center it on kiss and come up with something very simple and very digestible that even the youngest of fans could have, could have taken in. Yeah. Cause uh, as it is, it feels like the, the, the movie, the phantom of the park, that's the thing. And then right. at some point someone said, Oh, we'll take this and we'll drop kiss in and, and, and and I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Gordon Hessler had no idea who Kiss were uh, and what oh God, the significance yeah. I, of Kiss was. Uh, and it's kind of, and I'm sure he was a, a decent dude, you know, but it, sure. it just feels like Kiss are shoehorned in here. Absolutely. I agree. And it, it, it seems like they're an afterthought. And that's, it, that's, it's perfectly that's ridiculous. Said. Yeah, you could, you could have actually, you could have almost made this movie with you know, the village people, and it would have been the exact same thing. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, it it's, they tried, they, they, it's weird because they tried the second half of the movie, especially the end, you know, where they're doing the live performance where you have evil kiss, you know, playing rip and destroy, which is hilarious, you know, take it, take, <laughs> taking harder than hell and turning it into rip and destroy where Paul Stanley's on record. I think he, I think he wrote that in the trailer in like three minutes. He's like, we got to do something. You know, that, that whole thing of angry kiss whipping the crowd up into a frenzy, you know, and then the real kiss coming out and fighting each other on stage. 
I mean, that that's kind of silly and funny and entertaining, but at least you're seeing Kiss, right? At least you're seeing Kiss doing something that you'd never see them do. You know, they save the day, they throw on their guitars, and they play a concert for the fans. Like, that's that's kind of cool when you're considering what the rest of the film is giving you. Yeah. I mean, you know, with, with no sense of irony, I mean, I, I, genuinely, my, my favorite scene in the entire film is that, that the, the snatch you get of I Stole Your Love. It, that is just, oh. just, just incredible. I agree. You know? I agree. It's incredible. It's, it's, I mean, it's probably one of my all-time favorite Kiss songs, you know, one or two if I'm ranking them. And that clip right there is fantastic. And w- w- again, what they should have done is why not have two Kiss concerts? You know, have the movie start off with, with a Kiss concert or have, you know, because first of all, you start the movie off with the band superimposed over rides. And then that ridiculous attempt at special effects of, what it was a Paul and Ace like sitting in a bumper car or something swirling around. Just have the show open up with them performing. And then if you want to kind of drift away and get into the Devereaux, you know, something like that. But you need more kiss. You absolutely need more of the band. Yeah. I, that first, like I said, the first 30 minutes, this film, it's a, it's a chore. It's a it's brutal. It's brutal. And, and, you know, the section of them at the Chamber of Thrills, again, this is 1978. So it's it's kind of reminiscent of, you know, I don't I, I'm not sure if this was a big thing over in over in the UK, but the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew mysteries. OK, those were ve- that that TV show yeah, was yeah. very, very popular in the late 70s. Now, in retrospect, well, those those shows weren't terribly well acted and well written, but they did have a creep factor to them. There was a little bit for that era. There was a little bit of, you know, yeah. suspense, a little bit of action with the, with the, with the boys looking at mysteries and things. And that came out around that time The that the scene of them in the chamber of thrills, like it's like, you can see that they're trying to, to do some of that, but it just gets ruined by the ridiculous effects and the music. And, and, and then, and then that, that little segment just goes by the wayside. Yeah. He's, I, it's, I mean, the thing is, you, you, temptation is you can just sit and rip a, rip this thing apart, and and deservedly so, you know, because it's not great. But part right. of me is genuinely sad because it, yeah, it's like oh, when I was saying earlier on, I was writing that chapter in the upcoming book, and I was writing about the Tom Snyder interview, and and the first reaction to that is to laugh, and it's funny, but. I ended up coming to the conclusion. I'd only intended to write about 1,500 words. I ended up writing like 3,500 words on it because I ended mm. up, the conclusion was it's, it's sad as well because it, you know, Agreed. yes, yes, you can see Gene looks a bit, you know, he looks a bit pompous and all that, but this is the kind of end of a band that you love and, and it's just disintegrating before your eyes. And, you know, it's a quite a sad thing. So as much as it's kind of entertaining to take the piss out of this film, it's also a little bit sad as well because it's, it's the end of an era. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great way to, it's a great way to look at it. Cause you're right. Cause we're, you know, the entertaining parts of this movie, they're entertaining because they're so cheesy and, and bad and poorly written. So your instinct is to, is to kind of laugh at it and giggle at it and you're laughing at it. And like you said, if you break it down, that's sad. This is this is my favorite band in the entire world. And we're laughing at them, not with them. And like you said, the Tom Snyder interview is the same thing. That is absolutely one of the most priceless, most hilarious things ever. But you're right. You said the word you use was perfectly. It's the disintegration of a band in real time. And that is and that is and that is sad. Yeah. So Tom, any any last thoughts on uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park? Well, look, I'm not going to I would never try to convince anybody that this is a good movie or a well-made movie or a well-acted movie, but to me it's very very important to me as a Kiss fan. It holds a very very sweet spot full of nostalgia for me. Uh I always get a chuckle and a giggle and a, a smile on my face whenever I see the artwork or a screenshot or something on Facebook, or even when Zeus and I did the, the live commentary. Um, I love that it exists. 
you know, we've talked a lot about what we would have done, what we, what should have been done, what's, what's good, what's bad. But, you know, Zeus and I talk about this all the time. I don't want, I'm glad it exists because it allows me to take it for what it's worth and, and, and enjoy it how I want to enjoy it. And, and I, and that's, I think that's part of being a kiss fan. So do you want to um, give shout out loud cast a quick plug? Where can we find that particular podcast? Sure. So yeah, we actually, we have a website. You can go to shoutitoutloudcast.com and we have all of our information there, all of our episode links, uh, links to our social media, but you can look, look us up on uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, we have an email address at shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. Uh, and wherever you're listening to your podcast, you can find us and we're all over social media. So please check us out. Yeah, do. If you've got any interest in KISS whatsoever, it's it's a really, really good, good listen. So re- honestly, ju- just go and check out Shout Out Loudcast. Um, just remains for me to say, um, please uh check out our sort of facebook account for t for terror we've also got an instagram account and a twitter account or whatever the fuck it's called now twitter what is it twitter x x x <laughs> yeah all that and uh, obviously you can listen to t for terror wherever you listen to your podcast we're all over the place um it just remains for me to say thanks tom for coming on genuinely jenny from the bottom of my heart thank you it's taken a while to set up but i'm so pleased you could come on it's been an absolute blast so andrew i can't andrew i can't thank you enough for having me this has been fantastic two of my favorite things in the world talking horror talking kiss and kiss meets the phantom of the park is i hold it near and dear to my heart so i can't thank you enough for having me on it's been a great time god bless you so Remember to call round next time. Make yourself at home. You're probably dying for a nice cup of tea for terror. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. (laughs) 